What the hell is the name of this thing? Is this Wayne's World? The award-winning Evan Grant. I can't even count anymore on my fingers and toes. Kevin Sherrington. Kevin Sherrington, clown number one. Barry Horn. He tried to get me in mid-chew. Hello, everybody, and welcome into another edition of Upon Further Review. I'm Kevin Sherrington. I'm Barry Horn, and I have a, I have a question. What is this, the award-winning Evan Grant? No kidding. What award did you ever win, Evan? You win the Cy Young? Um, no, I did not win the Cy Young. I believe twice I beat you out, Kevin, for Texas Sports Writer <laughs> of the Year. You're not going to beat me out this um, year, though, are you? No, I'm not, you know, because I didn't pay my membership dues, so I didn't vote for myself. Otherwise, yeah. it would be a three-way final. <laughs> um, wow. Yeah, I, I didn't pay either. I should have paid. I think I had to pay so I can vote uh, for the finals. Anyway, you are at the winter meetings in Nashville. How's everything there, by the way? It is great. Just imagine the Gaylord Texan um, multiplied in size by about three add a bunch of job seekers, a bunch of uh, fans who want to find some memorabilia, and a bunch of executives who um, toss out rumors in a, you know inadvertently. And that's kind of what it is. Or, or advertently. I think they toss out rumors yeah, absolutely. Uh, on purpose, too. So are you embedded yes, with the, are you embedded really, with the John Daniels? Language is not my special thing. Are, are you embedded with John Daniels right now? In bed with John? No, embedded. Embedded. I said embedded. Oh, my gosh. I believe there is a part-time columnist in the Metroplex who believes I am in bed with John Daniels. (laughs) But, um, uh, no, I am not embedded with the Rangers. I have been up to their suite uh, for a briefing yesterday in which John was, was, I thought, very candid, actually. Um, Probably the most candid I think he's been at the winter meetings in the time that I've covered him. Uh, which is his entire career. Um, but uh, there's just not a whole lot of place for the Rangers to go in terms of a major move, which is why I felt extremely guilty about sending the reader as a postcard from the first day of the winter meetings a column about catching depth. Because you don't think you're, they're going to get any there? No, I just think that, you know, we're talking about they're not going to go out, I, I don't believe, and get a starting catcher. You know, Jonathan Lucroy would be the one guy that would that would represent an upgrade. And they've inquired about Lucroy and no talks have gone anywhere. I found it interesting that, that they had even inquired about Matt Wieters after he re-signed with Baltimore to see if Baltimore would be willing to trade him. And and that went nowhere. So they um they they certainly are open to an upgrade, but those would be the only two guys that would have represented real upgrades that would have potentially been on the market. What would it, what would a and, real up what would a real upgrade cost them? Well, look, you know, in terms of free agency, I don't think there was that guy on the market this year. Um, so I don't know what it would have cost in, in terms of dollars. But Lucroy would, would cost them a very pretty punny in terms of prospects. And I don't know that they've got – they just don't have that inventory to deal from right now without without putting the, the minor league system in, in real uh, deficit areas. You know, I know we've talked about uh, the teams that are winning the World Series. You know, the last four or five years have all had dominant catchers, and, and, I, and I and I realize that is the case. But there are so few catchers, probably uh, fewer 
really uh, good catchers in the game than at any point I can remember uh, in the last 30 years anyway. Uh, so I, I'm not so sure that it's so necessary. I, you know, I know that, that the, the concern is that Robinson Chirinos uh, has not played a lot of uh, games at catch. He has not, at least he's not been healthy enough to play a lot of games and that uh, Jimenez is, is not a guy who's caught a lot of games either. I get the fact that they need to have another catcher available. Perhaps uh, our, uh, our W.T. White alumnus, uh, Mr. Holiday, would be uh, a nice guy to, to bring up from AAA and have him ready to go uh, in case some, something went, something happened. But to me, to me, that's good enough. Well, you know, Brian Holiday is certainly an option. Um, Detroit may have some some extra depth to deal there. The issue on Brian Holiday is he's out of options, so he'd have to start the season in the big league. I think you could probably get uh, Chris Jimenez through waivers, and I think the way his contract is set up, he would accept an outright assignment because he's got a lucrative minor league deal. Uh, the question on Detroit is where's the fit? The Tigers are looking for something of a right-handed bat who can play left field and, and maybe some, some so are the Rangers. positions. So are the Rangers. So is there a fit there? Does Ryan Rua excite the Tigers at all? I'm not sure there. Um, there are some other guys. The, Ra- the Braves are in on, on Tyler Flowers, a free agent, who the Rangers really don't have a whole lot of interest in. If Atlanta were to sign Tyler Flowers, they'd have Christian Betancourt to deal. Uh, there is... Um, uh, there are free agents like Michael McHenry, who I think is a realistic possibility because he's got background with Jeff Bannister. But these are all backup catchers. And, I mean, we're spending a lot of time talking about a backup catcher, and I know that sounds silly in November, in, in December, but you go back to Robinson Trinos and Chris Jimenez, and you're talking about one guy who's never started 90 games and another guy who's never started more than 30 games in the major leagues. You're going to have to count on getting another 40 games or another 30 games from somewhere. And you need a catcher who has a little bit of big league experience to to back that up. We saw what happened with the Rangers this past year. They ran through both their starter and their backup and and had them on the DL by the end of July. They they performed a miracle by getting the contributions that they got out of of Jimenez and and Bobby Wilson. But I don't think, as John Daniels said yesterday, I don't think you want to count on, on that kind of miracle occurring again uh, two years in a row. Preparing for the worst. I mean, what a concept, right? How about Jerry Jones? He never prepares for the worst. He just always thinks everything's going to work out great. Well, and it, look, Kevin, it did. As I predicted, the Cowboys won last night. <laughs> yeah, way, way I to don't go, way to go. think so. Let, let's move back. Let's move uh, from the catchers to the pitchers here. You had a little note in today saying that there's some, some interest in that out there in, uh, from other clubs in Kella and Tolleson. Uh, I, I, I'm sure there is interest in Kella. I can't imagine why the Rangers would trade him at this point, uh, a guy with immense potential in, in my, uh, my thinking. But I, I'm intrigued by the Tolleson uh, rumors. Uh, what, uh, first of all, would they deal Tolleson? And, and B, what, what could he bring? Well, I think the Rangers would deal a reliever. Now, whether it would be Tolleson or somebody else. But Tolleson, I think, you know, you look at him, he's going into arbitration um, as opposed to Dyson. He's going to jump up in, in salary. His value may never be higher because he did succeed last year, but you look at his metrics across the board in terms of velocity and things like that, and he doesn't profile as the classic closer type. But other teams, so other, Evan, other, other teams are looking at the same metrics. Uh, so That's true, but other teams may have, other teams have holes, whereas the Rangers have, have assets. And 
that's the big difference. So what, there. What, what could he bring? The, the question uh, I think the Rangers would, would only answer this is if, is if Collison could bring, if Collison or another reliever could bring an upgrade to the big league club at this point. And an upgrade is, I think, John Daniels' code at this point for a starting pitcher because that's the biggest glaring hole. If they could turn, you look, if you could turn a reliever who's going to pitch 70 innings or 75 innings into a starter who could potentially pitch uh, 200 innings for you, and you've got control of the starter, and, you know, just as you would control of the reliever, that's a trade you'd have to make. It's a hard deal to pull off, but this is a, this is a point. This is a, a a place of depth for the Rangers right now, and you've got to investigate it. I don't think they want to. I think they'd like to go out there next year and have the same kind of killer bullpen that Kansas City did. But I think you've also got to, to consider it, especially when you've got the possibility of Luke Jackson um, and, and maybe down the line Connor Sadzik coming up from the minor leagues and potentially adding to that, that monster bullpen type deal. Speaking of rotations, uh, I was a little bit surprised when the, when the Cubs signed John Lackey for two years. Was that $30 million, $32 million, somewhere around there? believe so, yeah. Uh, now, now, certainly that fits the profile of what the Rangers are, are trying to offer. I mean, maybe more. it's more dollars probably than they want to spend, but it's just a two-year deal uh, with Lackey. And Lackey certainly was very good last year. Certainly, he seems to have been a – he would have been a nice piece for this for this uh, rotation, wouldn't he? Yeah, but I think that AAV is way out of the Rangers' wheelhouse. I mean, I think they're, you're talking about a guy who I believe did get over $15 million a year, even though it's on a short-term deal. Uh, it would be one thing if this was a one-year deal and, and that was all that they had tied up. I think that's why they were more than willing to extend the qualifying offer of $15.8 million to Giovanni Gallardo. But they're looking at what they have to spend right now as, I would say, somewhere in the 6 to $8 million range for a pitcher. And that's why I think Colby Lewis fits their, their price point. Uh, they feel like it should be a fairly painless negotiation. Um, and, and I don't think that they'd have to go to two years on Colby. Strange things have happened. You did see Lackey get a two-year deal. You did see Chris Young just get a two-year deal, I think, for $16 million. So it, it, this is a strange pitching market in which the dollars are very inflated, and uh, the Rangers are either going to have to be creative there or they're going to have to make uh, something happen with Colby that's, that's just kind of uh, – uh, maybe a little bit of a shared risk type deal. Do you li- would you rather have a uh, um, uh, Colby than Wade Miley, who just went to the Mariners? Uh, well, the Rangers, you know, I, the Rangers had interest in Miley last year, and they they couldn't make that trade with Arizona. Arizona made it with with Boston. Uh, I, I'm not I, I'm not at the t- on the top of my head sure what Miley makes at this point, but all things considered, given Colby's history. I think everybody expects that at some point in time the guy's going to break down. But how can you break down again once and for all? But but how can you overlook what he's brought to the clubhouse and what he's brought to the mound uh, and, and the fact that he just does go out there and wears it with, with really no ego whatsoever? And, and so for the dollars, I think I'd rather have Colby. I think I probably would too. I don't have a big problem with that. So it, so we, we, we've got uh, the uh, – if you're if you're going to bet on what's happening here coming out of the winter meetings, uh, would you say that they add anything other than just a complimentary piece? I'm 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 not thinking they even add a starting pitcher at this point, unless unless they do sign Colby before the meetings are. Yeah, early. unless they sign Colby, I I don't think 
here's the, the caveat I'd put on everything, Kevin. You know, the, the, the pitching and catching markets, both areas in which the Rangers have, have been involved this, this winter, have moved exceptionally fast. And so with 48 hours here left in Arizona, in, in Nashville, uh, could this thing speed up to where uh, the market started to bottom out and they got a better feel and they were able to act? Yeah, it could. But I think ultimately if the Rangers do do anything here, it's most likely that they re-sign Colby. I do think that they could get a better feel on whether or not there's a, a, a trade for Mitch Moreland to make, which would create some other dominoes. And I don't, I just wrote this a few minutes ago on uh, for the blog, but I, I, I don't see, even though it seems like it would be a really good fit for, for Pittsburgh and that Pittsburgh's long had an interest in Moreland, I'm not sure the Pirates are willing to give uh, what the Rangers what the Rangers need. And uh, because of that, if the Rangers keep keep Moreland, then I don't see them keeping uh, re-signing Mike Napoli. And I think that moves them towards finding a, a less expensive right-handed bat for the for left field and first base. What would the Rangers want from Pittsburgh for Moreland? Well, I think Charlie Morton, the pitcher, would be um, a potential guy, or or John Locke. Um, either of those guys would be would be potential fits for the Rangers. They'd certainly like to talk about Elias Diaz, the catching prospect, and I think they'd be they'd be interested in at least talking about Josh Bell, the Jesuit guy, uh, uh, the Jesuit um, outfielder alum. Yeah, who's an outfielder and can and has played some first base last year uh, because the Pirates are so deep in the outfield, but. My indications in, in the people I've spoken to is that the Pirates have more interest right now in trying to involve a third team in the deal, which would only serve to complicate it that much more, make it that much more difficult. And I think even now, as much as John Daniels and his group have pursued three-team deals in the in the past, they, they look at it as kind of a great white whale. It's, it, it, it'd be something that would be great to pull off, but it's more mythical than, than doable. So if you had to guess at this point right now, uh, I, I, it looks to me like, like Napoli will not be re-signed, so we won't get to, to watch the adventure of him possibly playing a little bit more left field, uh, which probably is a good thing. Uh, so then Josh Hamilton will be the starting left fielder if he's healthy. Uh, do you? But one of the interesting things to me is that, that John Daniels has been very uh, candid about that. He's said that, but, you know, he's got a history of injuries, so we're going to have to have somebody out there. And he's more or less said – he will have to be involved in a platoon. Yeah, he has to be. You are the biggest advocate for the Cowboys to to have somebody there in case of Romo being right. getting hurt. They've you you can't count on Josh Hamilton, can you? You, you can't count on him. Okay, uh, but but I you know that's what John Daniels has said. You really can't count on that. It, it, it certainly he has the ability. I think he can still play. I think when he's healthy, he he still shows that he's a, a very good player. Uh, I agree, and I, I think the ceiling on Josh Hamilton, you know, the, the threshold you'd like to get. Look, if, if if Jerry Jones was was able to say, "Hey, I'd like to get twelve games out of out of Tony Romo every year," and had a backup that was capable of going out there and starting four four games, that would be the kind of situation, the equivalent of what the Rangers are looking for. They're looking to to get 120, 125 games out of Hamilton. Uh, as a max, whether it's split between the outfield and DH or, or however it's split, but they need a guy that's going to be capable of playing 40 to 60 games in the outfield. And in the event that something does happen with Josh, something more significant happens with Josh, somebody who could play who could play more. Um, 
But I, I think what we saw, guys, last year and what we have, we've seen more and more of is the Rangers need to may need to get 60 or 80 games out of left field. It doesn't necessarily have to come from one guy. It could be a situation where they, they go out and sign a guy like Steve Pierce, who would be a good fit, uh, who Jeff Bannister has some, has some background with and who they've discussed internally. But by midseason, you're also hoping that both Joey Gallo and potentially Nomar Mazzara are much more ready to play in the big leagues. And, and maybe then if you've got a, a traumatic injury with Josh, you've got a guy to fill in on a day-in and day-out basis. Uh, since you've met, you're bringing up names, what about Profar? Def, you still don't see him uh, this year playing for the Rangers. Profar, you know, he, first of all, he wants Profar to start at shortstop in, uh, in spring I don't training. Want, I, I don't think. want him to start at shortstop, but I, I want to know if you see him. I, you've been a big advocate of him him spending the whole season uh, in the minor leagues. Any chance? Here's what, I, here's what I'll give you. We talked to John Daniels about this last week. Guys. We talked about how this club kind of reversed its shopping. Uh, uh, season last year by the deals that they made for long-term controllable guys in July. Why would you not consider the same possibility again this year? And I'll give you one example that intrigues me very much. Profar needs to go out and he needs to play the field. His value right now is in this. Clubs are coming to the Rangers and saying, hey, we know he hasn't played shortstop yet, which is code for we'd like to get him at a very discounted cost. Once he goes out and plays shortstop and he can demonstrate that he can do that and he's demonstrated again that he still can hit, if he does all of that, okay, come next July, Rangers in the race, they are in prime position to package Profar with some other guys who have, come, who have, who have elevated their value. And I'll give you a name that intrigues me very much. Homer Bailey is coming back from Tommy John surgery. He should be back in the res rotation sometime next June, uh, maybe the 1st of July. Would he not have a full month in the Reds rotation, which is going to be a, a rebuilding club to get himself healthy, start to get himself right, and for the Rangers to then go out and potentially make a trade of, of Profar in a Bailey package for a Texas guy, that, that mythical Texas pitcher they've always searched for, who would be under control for, I believe it would be two more years after 16, maybe three more years after 16. It would be the same kind of scenario as, as adding Cole Hampton. Uh, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Let's say that they, that, uh, the Reds bite on that. Uh, you know, I, I'm just thinking that, uh, that teams are really going to try to lowball the Rangers until Profar puts together an entire season, not just half of one. I, I think that everybody's going to want to see them do that. And I got to tell you, if he goes out next year and has a really good season, if he goes out and plays every day, uh, in the minor leagues and, and hits uh, like everybody thought, thought he was going to, then then in the spring training of 2017 or before that, if I make it my mind in the winter of 16-17 uh, that, as I've broached the subject before, hey, here, take Elvis Andrus. We'll pay $10 million of his salary, and we're going to pay this kid, uh, you know, the major league minimum, whatever he's going to be making, uh, and to be our shortstop. Uh, and I, I don't think that there's – to me, there's no risk – uh, at all in that because Elvis is uh, we, we've seen Elvis and what he's going to be Profar has a much higher ceiling at this point and if he's going to be healthy he's the guy I want not Elvis Andrus there, there's not and, and there's no reason that that wouldn't be a potential scenario and I think it is and, and unless the Rangers were able to go out and uh, all things fell into place and they were able to acquire a number one number two type controllable pitcher 
you know, they wouldn't deal Profar next year, and they very well could could make up their mind that Jerickson Profar is going to be their long-term shortstop and that they're going to find a way to, to, to move Elvis's contract. But I do think you have to keep in mind how this team looks at, at, at market and the market deviation. And what they did with Hamels this past July was go out and acquire a number one pitcher in the prime of his career on what amounted to a fairly short-term deal, three or four years, for what is now about two-thirds of the penny on the dollar for number one type pitchers. And so if they can get a jump on the market again next year in similar fashion, they're not going to hesitate to pull the, to pull that trigger, even if they were to think that long-term maybe they could get more out of Profar than Elvis. If they can turn him into a pitching asset um, that is a top-of-the-rotation type guy, they're not going to hesitate. You, know, you sound more and more like John Daniels every time. You, you've, got, you've got it all, all down pat. Pitching asset. You sound more and more like my grandpa every time. What is going on with your voice? I have no idea. You I, know, Barry, Barry is determined in some way or fashion to either be eating or needing to clear his throat or something during one of these podcasts. Well, I'll just I, I'll just say this. I'm ready. I'm ready to. to he's ready to dump you, dump Evan. Evan. I'm ready, Evan. Go go go. Be embedded with John Daniels and the rest of the Rangers. Uh, we can't wait to read what you have to say in the morning news, and maybe next time we'll finally have a new name for upon further review. We'll do our best. I've been asking every scout and GM uh, two things: Will you be on the podcast, and what should we rename? <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, have you seen Jeff Long uh, in Nashville? Have I seen who? Jeff Long. <laughs> It's a week. It's a week joke. He's at a different Gaylord property, not at this. Yeah, point. that's right. But but he 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 is your your your. I don't know what the word is. Yeah, it's it's, it's his great, great white, white whale. whale. That's your great right. white whale. That's right. He is. Evan, thanks you're for my, being on. You're my great great grandmother. <laughs> <laughs> you are fixated on that, aren't you? Oh, you Evan, are it's, fixated. It's on great. That. Are you going to be live with us next week, Evan? I will be back in town and live as I ever am, Kevin. <laughs> as close as we can get you to live, anyway. We're lively. Thank you, Evan. Great as always. All right, boys. Evan, be Go well. Have lunch. See Goodbye. you. Go have lunch. That was Evan Grant at the winter meetings, filling us in on what's happening there, which is not a lot right at the moment. No, uh, no did, it sounds did, like he's watching paint dry. No, well, yeah, it kind of is. Well, you know how those the winter meetings are. are uh, there's just nothing, 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 and then boom, something comes out of nowhere. Uh, or at least that's what you. But, hope. but it doesn't sound like anything's coming out of nowhere here for the Rangers. No, I don't think so. You know, I, I think they're at a point, to, a position. They, 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 you know, they're a, a good team. Uh, right now, they're contenders. Obviously, they're, they're the defending West champions, and I think that's they're legitimate defending West champions. I think going into the next season, they have to be the favorites. The, 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 everybody's chasing them now at this point. I think the Astros are right there, uh, and I, I think the two Texas teams will be at the top, and everybody else is scrambling. It, it'll be a great race next year, no no question about that. Uh, but but I, I think that that's where they start. So they don't have to do anything radical. I think the the interesting thing to me when when Evan talked about the fact that they would, if they thought they could do another Cole Hamels deal, they'd do it. Oh, of course. In a second. Well, I don't, I don't know, because at this point you, you could say, well, we've got 
you Darvish coming back. We've got Cole Hamels. You know, the old Rangers would have said, this is enough. No, no. You, know, you never have enough. You know, you're right. You never have enough. But you would, you would think, when you're talking about, it's one thing to trade, uh, you know, some of the guys, that they, Alfaro and some in the Hamels deal. Then, yes, he was very well thought of, but he was not jerks and profar, you know. And I think there's still that thought out there that jerk, everybody remembers when he was the number one prospect in all of baseball, not just in the Rangers system, but in all of baseball. And if he ends up being the kind of shortstop that they thought he was going to be, you know, then that's that's a pretty that'll be the loss. comeback story of of the decade, of the year, and of of the millennium. It would be, but then again, remember how how old is is Jerkson? I think we decided he was like he's what? A, he's a kid, twenty one, twenty. Yeah, he's he's still a kid. Uh, you know, and and a, and a great prospect. Uh, I I think his, I think all of his value is a, as a shortstop. Uh, this uh, this whole notion of him playing second base. I think is that's dead and gone, uh, w- w- which it should be. I'm not saying that contributed to his injury, but that's a different throw from second base than it is from shortstop. And and I think that the fact that he has the power potential he has, this is a guy who I think could hit 15 or 20 home runs a year from at shortstop. Uh, Elvis Andrews is hitting five or six, and that's in a really good season. I think he's every bit as he's. He may not have quite the range that Elvis has, uh, but it, but it's close. And, and he could he you feel better about him making the the routine routine play. play. I, I think I probably would. And and, and and plus everybody talks and listen. Everybody loves Elvis. He's a great kid. You know he's 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 fun to be around. He's fun in the clubhouse. The players all like him. But so is Profar. Profar is, has the same kind of personality. He's you know not quite as gregarious as, as Elvis is, but he has a great personality. Players love him. How, you know, how's he with the Gatorade? Guy. Yeah, he's he's not big on that, and I I know I tell you what, I can't tell you how many fans I hear from who say they're sick of the Gatorade bass that Elvis does, especially in the, after a game in which he gives up a couple, he makes a couple of errors and, and doesn't uh, advance anybody and doesn't do. Speaking anything of routine plays, I think we should make our routine play routine a, exit a, a routine exit. Yes, we will. It's another week of a Palm Fred review. Thanks for coming, everybody. We appreciate it. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening.